Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, First off, I want to just say happy Mother's Day to all our mamas here. Can we put our hands together, give a little love to our mamas? We're so thankful for each and every one of you, and it's been said of a lot of people throughout our life, but it's never more true than you, Mom. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for you, okay? Like you, on so many levels, you have uh, made such a difference in our life. Even if you don't have a great relationship with your mom, I bet there's something you could be appreciative for. Reach out to her today, give her some love. I know it'll be uh, probably something she really much, uh, very much appreciates. So today, we are going to launch a brand new series entitled, Think Like Jesus, okay? Because thinking is not overrated. Thinking, especially in the day that you and I live in, is a very important thing that we need to be doing, all right? And we need to be critical of the way that we think, because our thinking is so foundational to everything else. Our emotional state, your uh, mental health of your life can come down to many times to your thinking, your thought patterns, your friends, and your goals and priorities of life really come down to the thoughts that you adopt, which ultimately dictate the destiny of your life. What ultimately comes from your life can be traced all the way back to the thoughts that you entertain inside your head. So, Thoughts are so powerful and so foundational to so many other things. Even questions like, I'm going to share with you three questions now that have been with us as long as there have been human beings on planet Earth that have struggled with some version of these three questions, and we're going to talk about them a little bit today. Here's the first one. What is the good life? Okay, have you ever thought about that? I bet you think about it often because there is something you're shooting for, you're moving towards, something that gets you out of the bed every day, and it probably has something to do with the good life. What is a good person? How do we know it? Many of us know when we meet a good person, but how do we know? Like, how, how, how do we determine that? And then finally, how do we obtain these? How can we let these be true of us? Now, um, it's interesting because these questions, as I said, have been asked as long as there have been people, <clears throat> but, and they're with us right down to this very moment in our day. Advertisers, whether you're watching commercials on TV, you're looking at a magazine or whatever, they tend to focus, advertisements almost always focus on answering this question. What is the good life? They're always trying to fill in that blank for you and I. Here's what the good life is all about. And if advertisers are right, If they got the corner on the market on what the good life is, then it belongs to people with lots of great hair, white teeth, fresh breath, drive beautiful brand new cars, live in big, beautiful new houses, right? They got abs. They vacation in beautiful places and post pictures that you wish you could go to those places, right? Like, those are the people, like, if you finally could get all of that, Man, your life would stop stinking and it would be awesome, okay? At least that's what we're sold, right? That's the idea. But what's interesting is when we start talking about a good person, 
What is a good person seems to be the object or the, the focus of a funeral. When, when people get up to talk about someone, the sum total of someone's life, it tends to be attributes that we would all agree make for a good person. This is why, and maybe you've noticed this before, obituaries never read like advertisements, okay? You don't ever look at the obituaries and say, he had a great head of hair, incredible smile, and we all envied his car, and oh yeah, abs for days, okay? <laughs> nobody, nobody talks about those things at funerals. Nobody cares, right? Even if you had them, even if they were true of you, nobody cares at that moment, right? Now, it's interesting, over the weekend, my wife Leslie and I had the privilege, it really was an honor, to get to go to a memorial service, one of our dear friends, a lady by the name of Christina Glass, and she was Leslie, one of Leslie's very best friends for a big section of our adult lives, and so it's always sobering, and for those of you who have lived long enough, some of your friends, people your age, you were close with, they're starting to pass away, and she had cancer, and it was tragic, and... Um, but she had lived her life so beautifully well. And, and throughout her adult life, she had never been full-time on a church staff anywhere, but she served in kids' ministry at her church and then in the youth ministry. And as her kids got older, she served in ministries around them. And one of the most meaningful things at her, her service, her, her memorial, was that they had all these kids that had been served by Miss Christina over the years and they just asked them to talk about how she had been like Jesus to them. And they filmed it with their phones. And there's like 40 or 50 of these one-minute videos. And I was just sitting there, Leslie and I were just bawling like, this is the most meaningful, amazing thing I have ever seen for any human being. I've ever been to a lot of these services and I've never seen anything like this. This is unbelievable, the impact this one woman had in her life. And it just dawned on me. It is the end of life that tends to make the meaning of it so crystal clear. Have you noticed this? It is so true, isn't it? I remember this quote many years ago from Max Lucado, one of my, still one of my favorite authors. He had this quote. He says, make all major life decisions in a cemetery. Right? And I remember that going, wow, that seems a little morbid. But he's right. Like, I have not physically gone to cemeteries, but it is important to think about the end when you're making major life decisions. It is important to think about what is the legacy of my life? What am I leaving behind? What are, what are they going to talk about when I'm gone, right? It comes down to your choices. It comes down to how you invest your life, what the decisions that you make is so important. And it's interesting that, so the problem is that we face is this idea between the good life and being a good person. There's, the problem is there's this disconnect in our world. They are never pitched at the same time, right? We spend our life, for most of us, if we're honest, going after the good life. We want the good life. We want to pursue it, we, some version of it, right? But when we die, we want to be remembered as a good person, right? That, that, that's how it seems to play out for most people. But Jesus, and only Jesus teaches this, and I hope you don't miss this today. Jesus teaches it is only the person who is becoming good as God defines good that is living the good life. There is a transformation process that's happening in me and you. If you're following Jesus, that, that he wants to do in you, and it is good 
It is not a grit your teeth, kind of just grin and bear it kind of religion. It is a life-giving, beautiful gift from God, Jesus talks about. And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, whether you like this or agree with this or not, throughout your whole life, you and I will be haunted by these questions. What is the good life? Who's a good person? And am I either one of those things? right? We're going to be constantly seeking those things, and here's why that is so important, because we as human beings are the kind of creatures that have to learn. We are just the kind of creatures that have to learn. Now, again, you may or may not agree with that, but even if you don't agree with it, it's still true, okay? Then the fact is that we all had to learn growing up. We had to learn how to take care of ourselves. We have to learn how to go to the bathroom from our parents, how to brush your teeth, how to tie your shoe, how to write your name, how to ride a bike, play an instrument, right? We learn these things, and we learn how to live from other human beings. This is how it works. Therefore, and again, sometimes this is subconscious. You don't even know this is happening to you. I, don't even, I wasn't even aware of this for many years. But, but the fact is, we are constantly searching for teachers to help us. We are always looking for people, whether it's watching TED Talks, looking on the internet, on YouTube, you know, like we're, we're kind of like, oh, how to take care of a fussy two-year-old, right? Yeah, even if it's not great, I just need some help, Okay. I just, I'm looking for just somebody to help give me some, some guidance here. Like, we've all been there before, right? But we don't, we, we don't tend to admit this unless it's an area where we finally kind of had a boing, you know, light bulb moment where, okay, now I know that I don't know, right? It occurs to you, you don't know what you're doing, all right? You, you need help, and you need to talk to somebody who knows how to do what you currently don't know how to do, and this is really important. So you're willing to be a little teachable. And um, we, we don't, because of that, we, we don't tend to think about ourselves as human beings as needing a teacher. We don't tend to think about that. So that means, especially in, in our country, everybody's autonomous and does their own thing and however they want to do it, right? So we don't think we really need anybody. So we never ask really important questions like this one. Who has mastered life? Like, who's got this figured out? Who, who really, when we talk about abundant life, like, who's really got the corner of the market on that? And maybe even a deeper question, who is worthy of being the teacher that I sit under? So make no mistake, we're all sitting under somebody is teaching us. It might be your coworkers, it might be your friends, it might be your family, it might be somebody, it might be a YouTuber, it might be a, a blogger, it might be, um, you know, uh, uh, somebody's streaming service, uh, who knows, you know, podcasts that you listen to, they all influence us. Even if you're thinking, oh, no, 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 they don't influence me, oh, you're kidding yourself. They do, they absolutely do. They, you, the, the information you're putting in, it influences you. So, Here's the thing, we think of Jesus, and this is, this is really true, like, especially of Christians, we tend to think of Jesus as our Savior. And even people that are not Christians would think, okay, Jesus, I mean, I think that, that has a lot to do with why he came, right? And that's true, it's absolutely true. 
the one who will get us into heaven, the one who saves our sin. And we even ask the question, this is a great and a very important question to have, uh, to ask, have you accepted Jesus as your savior, okay? Have you accepted his forgiveness of sin? Have you accepted, that's a really, really important question. Arguably one of the most important questions that you could ever answer or to know how to answer, okay? But most of us have never asked another question that is equally important. Have I accepted Jesus as my teacher? Have I accepted the fact that I need to look to him for how to live this life? For many of us, it's like, yeah, I go to church, I do what I'm supposed to do, I try to live a good life, try to be a good guy, try to be a good girl, I try, you know, and then... That's different than this, right? This is different. This is a very important question. This is, this is the question I want us to wrestle with over the next several weeks because it is the one that will make all the difference in your faith, all the difference. As a matter of fact, if we go back to the original 12 disciples, right? This is where it all began for them. This is what they had to accept first, was Jesus, they were Jewish men, they had to accept Jesus as their rabbi. And many of you know the title rabbi just simply means teacher. He is gonna teach us how to live. Because we're a train wreck, they were willing to admit, we have not got this wired, we have life figured out. Jesus, you have the best knowledge and information and insight, genius on how to live this life, that we're gonna defer to you. And that's what they did. But here's the danger of our culture today, okay, ladies and gentlemen, is that we're led to believe that you have and I have all that we need inside of us. And if you really want to unlock life and like live your best life, then you just need to listen to your desires and your wants and then just get out there and courageously give in to any sexual impulse and whatever you want, whatever you desire, and that's how you live life to the full, right? In other words, you are your own teacher now. Let's just put that to a little experiment, shall we? If that was true, because we really live like that's true in our culture. If that was true, therapists, counselors, would be a pretty easy job for them. They could sit down and say, hey, you wanna get better? You want, you want your life to like soar and be awesome? Just get out there and do whatever you want. Like, just give in to whatever impulses you have. Then you're gonna be amazed at how much better your life gets. To which people would say, what? Get out there and do whatever I want? That's how I got into this mess. That's why I'm coming to see you. Are you kidding me right now? That doesn't work. We know that doesn't work. And any of you who have had any kind of life experience at all would say, that's a train wreck waiting to happen, right? You would never give that advice to your kids or your grandkids or anybody that you loved and cared about. But yet we live as a society like that's true. And we function like that. But it even though we live like it's true, it contradicts, come on, you gotta agree with this, it contradicts the way we were made. It contradicts the way we all function in reality. Like in the real world, we don't operate like that, right? That's not how it works. Human beings cannot help but look for someone to teach them how to live. We all are looking for someone how to live. And Jesus Christ 
has the best and the only way. He's the only one to teach human beings how to live. And he even tells us, he gives us this warning. If you look anywhere else, all attempts to do this, to, to, to live the good life or to be a good person that don't start with God will betray you. They'll betray people. They're going to they're gonna train wreck your life. They're going to bring pain and suffering, unwanted, unneeded. You're going to waste years. You're going to waste money. You're going to waste your heart on things that don't deliver that the world promised that they would. And Jesus, is, that's part of why he came. He's like, this is why I came. He has the best knowledge on what the good life is, who is a good person, and how we are to obtain it. Jesus, as a matter of fact, would go a step further and he would say, the answer to those questions is the good news I came to bring you. It is the gospel that your heart longs for and I'm going to show you how you live this out. And, and if I were to ask you, many of you have been Christians for many, many years, maybe throughout most of your adult life, but if I ask you this question, what is the gospel that Jesus proclaimed? Like, what is that gospel? What was that good news? What was that message that Jesus preached over and over and over and over to people of his day? Okay? Now, I want you to think about that. How would you respond to that question? Don't obviously say it out loud. Just think about it for a little bit. And I want to go through just kind of an overview of some New Testament passages that I think could bring some clarity to this question. Okay? We're going to start with Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 14. And here's what Mark chapter 1 tells us. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the, let's say it together, the good news. The euangelion is the Greek word. The, the good news is the gospel. They're one and the same. They're, they mean the exact same thing. The gospel of God or the good news of God. And here's what he said. The time has come, he said. The, let's say it together. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Turn from your old life, turn towards God. That's what repent means. Now, this is really interesting. We, we actually just finished a series just a couple of weeks ago called Investigating Jesus, where we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke. And I want to go back to Luke right now, and where Luke tells us even at the beginning of the Gospel that he painstakingly investigated uh, eyewitness testimony from the very beginning, and he was meticulous about how he records this. And in chapter 8... Verse 1 of Luke, he tells us the gospel that Jesus preached over and over. Here's what he says. Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another. So he does this over and over and over, proclaiming the good news of the, let's say it together, of the kingdom of God, and the 12 were with him. So the disciples are hearing this over and over and over and over and over and over. So the very next chapter, he sends out the 12 without him to all the surrounding towns. Now, and what does he tell them to do? This is chapter 9, verse 2. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Okay. And the very next chapter, chapter 10, verse 9, he, he gathers together 72 new disciples, and he sends all of them out. Jesus is doing this a lot. And what does he tell them to do when he sends them out? He says, heal the sick that are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. He teaches this over and over and over throughout his ministry. Jesus gives his life sacrificially on the cross. He's crucified. He's buried, dead, 
and resurrects from the dead, and after he comes back, just like you would probably be, many of his disciples were suspicious, is this really Jesus? Come on. I don't I mean, people don't just come back from the dead. This is not something that we're used to seeing ever, right? And in Acts chapter 1, Acts short for the, the Acts of the Apostles, also written by Luke, by the way, chapter 1, verse 3, we're told, here's what Jesus does right after his resurrection. After his suffering, he presented himself... To them, the disciples, those following, those who were suspicious, those who were questioning, and gave them many convincing proofs. Like, come on up, talk to me, touch my hands, see the scars, ask me a question only I would know. I want you to know for sure it is really Jesus. I am really here. Proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the what? The kingdom of God. Over and over and over. And then we get to the, the very end of the book of Acts, chapter 28, verse 31. Luke tells us it's a picture of the Apostle Paul. He's in chains. He's in a Roman prison. And what is the last verse of the last chapter of this Acts of the Apostle telling us? Chapter 28, verse 31. I bet you could probably guess. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, if you had to say in one phrase, what is the, the, the nucleus, if you will, of the gospel that Jesus preached, what would you say? The kingdom of God, right? And it's not that the kingdom of God now exists like it was new because the kingdom of God had always existed, but it was that it, it, it was open now. The kingdom of God had now been available, become available for human beings to enter into it and live in it. And when Jesus started preaching this, people were like, oh, what? Is that even, I mean, like, that's crazy. We can live in the kingdom, God's spiritual kingdom now, and then he's gonna manifest a physical kingdom later? Jesus would say, exactly. That is the reality of what's happening. And that is the conclusion of all of history. It's all building for that. And you can prepare yourself now. You can be a part of it right now. And now, I want us to look together in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. We're going to dive into um, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he's going to begin to lay the groundwork for what does it look like for us to live in his kingdom, okay? And here's how he begins. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. Many misunderstood why he had come. They thought, oh, he's going to come and set up a military kingdom, a physical human kingdom, and overthrow the Romans and give us power, and we'll finally be able to call the shots, and we'll be in charge, and it'll be incredible, and we'll be like super Christians, and Jesus is like, nope, that's not what I came to do, all right? And he's, he's helping them to understand, I want to get you back to the heart, the intent behind what God has been doing all through the Old Testament, all the way up to this moment right now. He says, I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. So he's basically saying all of the Hebrew scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament. He says, all of it. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. There was an intent. There was a heart that God was trying to teach his people behind all that the laws said, he gave through Moses, and what everything God said through his prophets throughout the Old Testament. And he's saying, I want to help you to understand 
this fulfillment. I want you to understand that God's heart behind all this because it all had gotten lost with the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, all of those who had come before Jesus. They had misquoted and misapplied the, the Old Testament law and made it into just this burdensome rule-keeping. It was all about religion and rule-keeping. And Jesus is saying, you've lost the heart behind what God was trying to get at here, all right? And he goes on to say this in verse 18. He says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved, okay? So he's saying, and we're going to go on to, to look at the next part of that together. He says, so if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the, let's say it together, the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus, it was very important to Jesus that you understood he's leading you to become not just his child, be a part of the, the population of heaven, but you're a citizen of his kingdom of which he is the king Many people want the kingdom, but they don't want the king. They don't want anybody to tell them what to do. But he's saying, listen, this is how it works. And I need you to pay attention to my word and don't just blow it off or don't just make it into rule keeping. But anyone who obeys the laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And this is exactly the opposite of what the religious leaders and the Pharisees of Jesus' day would do. They made the Old Testament law and prophets into this mass of confusing rules that was so burdensome, people were just like, who can do it? This is ridiculous. We're, we give up. And they were kind of walking away and doing whatever they wanted. And that was kind of part of the history of Israel is that they turned their back on God over and over and over. But Jesus was talking about a new understanding of God and a new understanding of his laws to bring people back to its original purpose. And what was the original purpose of the law? It's the exact same original purpose that Jesus gave us when he said, all the laws and the prophets can be hung on these two. God's purpose behind these laws was to help people to love him with all their hearts, with all their minds, to think like Jesus, and to love others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is what God wanted. It's what he still wants. And Jesus is just say, basically saying, I want you to understand this is it. This is what I've come to bring you. Um, but he, he also gives us this warning in verse 20. He says, but I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this, this sounds like, you know, uh, Jesus is basically saying, well, you're going to have to be a rule king. But he's not. We need to understand this word righteousness right here. Let me define it for you. Righteousness is literally having a right love for God, leading to a right relationship with him and others producing right actions. It all starts with the right love for God, to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's so powerful. And the Pharisees got this so mixed up 
Because they really believed that what God, what pleased God was just outward appearance. It was just behavior modification. If we can just grit our teeth and bear, like push and make ourselves do right things, even if we don't really feel right things, God's going to be pleased with that, and we ought to make everybody else feel guilty until they do it too, all right? Jesus is saying, don't dismiss the law. I don't want you just to walk away from the law, but I want you to see that the law is here to help you to love God and all of the behaviors that flow from that should come from a heart that loves God. Jesus was saying we need a different kind of righteousness altogether. We don't need to just try to be a more intense version of the Pharisees. No, that strict legalism for legalism's sake which, let's be honest, this is where a lot of Christian people find themselves today. They're just trying to be good and gooder and gooder, right? They're just trying to be good enough. And Jesus is saying, you can't come this way unless you can surpass all these other guys. That, like, that's not the way to come. I want you to start with your heart. Would you be willing to love God with everything you got? not just a more intense version of legalism. We must learn to love God with all our hearts, souls, minds, and others as ourselves. And when we do that, then we begin to understand this is what it means to belong to the kingdom. This is what it means. And, and uh, it's, it's so powerful when we begin to take those steps and understand, and over these next several weeks, we're gonna be looking at these six statements of Jesus where he says, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. And he's gonna cover six strategic areas that every single human being is going to face and struggle with, six areas of how and, and what it means to be living in the kingdom of God. I hope you won't miss this. I hope you'll be a part of this. You'll invite other people to come with you. As a matter of fact, we're gonna be, next week, we're gonna be looking at what does Jesus say about anger, hatred, resentment, when you're frustrated, you've been offended, you've been hurt, and you're having a hard time letting it go. What does Jesus say about that? How do we deal with that? Because most people, even Christian people, don't handle it very well. And Jesus is gonna give us some great insight next week. I hope you'll be here for it. But the more that we take these steps with Jesus on this journey, he's gonna show us, here's what the kingdom is like. This is what it means to live in the kingdom. And it's beautiful, it's incredible. I know for me personally, when I finally started to begin to understand what Jesus had come to open up for us, the kingdom of God. What does it mean? What does it look like? What This powerful, interactive, spiritual kingdom that God says, you can live with me in this kingdom every single day, and I will use you every single day. It's beautiful. It's incredible. And, and it's so beautiful. When you begin to understand what he's offering to you, you will begin to want it more than you've wanted anything in your whole life to just live for him and with him in the kingdom. And it's beautiful, and it's something that's available to us right now that we can begin to live that out every single day. And it's, it's awesome. And I, I remember um, beginning to understand this, and it, and it will happen for you, and I'm sure some of you would say it has happened for me. It unlocks and awakens like just tremendous desire for God. 
And you'll begin to see for the first time, like, I'm not just saying this because I think I need to say it, but what God offers is better than anything this world could offer ever. And to live for Him truly is the good life. And to let Him transform your life into His image is the most beautiful, powerful, incredible adventure and way to live a person could ever select. It is the greatest because Jesus has the best knowledge on who is a good person, what is the good life, and how to obtain it. Jesus says, this, the answer to this is my gospel. It is the good news. It is found only in the kingdom of God. Jesus came for this purpose, to help you and I to stop wandering, meandering aimlessly through this life, hoping someday you'll find somebody that can show you the way. Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and I have come. Praise God there is a way. <laughs> Praise God that Jesus has come to open the door that we might know him. Beautiful. And he is inviting you, he's inviting me to come into this kingdom so that he might show us how to live. And that's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. We're going to break it down into the nitty-gritty, fine texture of everyday living. How do we live out this life as disciples, followers of Jesus in the kingdom of God and not just go by Christian in name only and hope for the best, right? And, and be swept by every wind of thinking, philosophy, Everything that happens in our culture, which is what happens to most people. I want your thinking to become keen and sharp. Your discernment becomes quickened and you can know the things of God. And we're going to talk about them over the next several weeks. I hope you'll not miss out on that. And here's the application prayer. I'm asking you to pray with me simply today. It's just saying, Jesus, and here's, the, here's where it all begins. If you really want to take his sermon and you really want to make the most of it. You really want to take it to heart. You really want to begin to love God with all you have. You have to start here. I accept you. This is just like the disciples had to start. I accept you as the teacher. I sit under for how to live my life. I trust you, Jesus. And it's still to this day, you have the most brilliant, genius insight on the human condition of any person who has ever lived. He knows us because he created us. He knows how we, what makes us tick. He knows what fulfills our hearts. And I just want to encourage you, try it out in real life because that's where the Christian life works best, in the real world, in real life. Not secluded away in some cloistered place in the world, but out where people really live. And this is where Jesus, that's why his gospel was so powerful and it transformed people's lives because they took it and applied it right where they lived and it changed them forever. It was incredible. And this may be where you may just take a step today is just showing me how to live in your kingdom. And over the next several weeks, that is exactly what we're going to be looking at together. Now today, also, as we pray, I just want to invite you, maybe you've never done this before, just to invite Jesus into your heart, into your life, and to say to him, I want you to be not only the forgiver of my sin, I want to get the sin out of the way that has kept me from knowing you, but I want you to be the king of my life. In other words, I want to live in your kingdom, and I want you to be the ruler over me. I want to follow you. And he leads us with compassion and love, tremendous understanding 
It's beautiful. But right now, if you would, let's bow together in prayer and ask him to meet us right where we are in our lives, right here, right now. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for your love. We thank you, dear God, that no matter where we're coming from today, what kind of hurt, frustration, difficulty we've been facing in our life, even some of our moms here today may be going through a really tough season in their family, in their role as moms, some of our dads may be struggling. God, right now, we come before you and just say, Lord Jesus, we claim you right now as the teacher of our life that we are willing to sit under and learn how to live. For those of you in the room with our heads bowed, eyes closed right now, you, maybe you've never done that. You've never formally said that to Jesus. Would you do that right now? Just say, Jesus, just in case I've never done it before, I declare you as my teacher for life. That I am committing right now to sit under your teaching and learn how to live. If you're doing that right now, committing that to the Lord right now, maybe, maybe some of you for the first time, maybe you've done it before, but you're committing that to the Lord right now, would you just lift your hands? I want to pray for you right now. Anybody here saying, I'm, I'm committing, Jesus, I want you to be the teacher for my life. Anybody here? Thank you for the hands going up all over in the balcony. Father, thank you so much for here in our heart. We want you. We want to follow you. God, I, I know it's, it's scary for some people to think about letting go of control, but this is the thing for which you were created, to follow your creator, your teacher. It's the greatest life you could ever live. You may put your hands down. And for those in the room right now that would honestly say, I have not been a follower of Jesus Christ, but today that changes. Today I commit to him. Today I ask him into my life to forgive my sins so that I might become his disciple. It's not about me anymore. It's about you, Jesus. I'm following you. Would you pray that right now? Jesus, forgive my sin and be the king over my life. I want to be a citizen in your kingdom. I want to follow you. This is real. This is true. For those of you who just did that just now, asking Jesus to forgive your sin and be the king and Lord of your life, would you just lift your hand right now? I just want to pray for you. Anybody here? God bless you right over here. Anybody else giving it all over to Jesus? right now, trusting him, hold nothing back. Anybody here giving that over to Jesus? We just thank you so much, Lord, for hearing our prayer today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for your truth being able to set us free. We love you for that. And I pray, God, that you would help us over these next several weeks, that we would begin to understand more and more what it means to be free in your kingdom, to be free of, of the prison of this world and begin to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit. We praise you for all these things that you are doing and you will do and pray it all in the incredible name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day and a wonderful Mother's Day. We'll see you back next Sunday. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. 
For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.